All right, guys, go ahead and have a seat if you would. Welcome to Arbor. Glad you're here. My name is Jake. Um, before I jump into the talk this morning, uh, I thought I'd do something a little different. I thought we'd stop, pause, and just kind of talk a little bit about um, some of the incredibly amazing and uh, crazy amazing things that God is doing around here. I don't do this normally. Uh, normally, I'm a, like, just drive forward, let's move to the next thing, go, 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 go. But I think it would be good, because what happens is I keep hearing all these great things that are happening around the church, and if I don't share them, uh, then, uh, then we don't know about them. And so uh, one of those is, uh, is uh, Student Ministries. Brian, who was just up here, We've been doing it for four weeks now, um, and Brian is literally the right man for the job. He uh, he loves teenagers. There's been a great turnout, and uh, and it's been pretty darn unbelievable. And so um, I've been excited. I'm excited for more teenagers to show up and youth to be filling the filling the, the halls around here. Uh, some of you are like, no, I don't want any teenagers, but I do. I do. And I love it. And so um, another thing that's going on in the church that's going really well is groups. Um, uh, is groups. We do Sunday morning. Started. Here's the crazy number. We've had 260 people join those groups in the last week, two weeks. Uh, an idea. Yeah, you you can clap, but wait till right now, and then you can do right after this. Uh, that is almost. That is almost 100% of our adult attendance on a Sunday morning. Now you can clap. So, because that's ridiculous. That's amazing. And so nearly everyone's in a group. So if you're not in a group, then you're missing out. Yeah, you're the one. Um, outreach. Our goal in outreach is to help the hurting. We feel that we are uniquely shaped and designed as a church to help those who are hurting. And so we want to do so. One of the ways that we just launched off and just got started was Celebrate Recovery. It happened this last Monday for the very first time. If you don't know what Celebrate Recovery is, it is um, it's addiction. People can go and get help with their addictions that they have inside of their life. Uh, we had almost 50 people show up and it was unbelievable. Super great. About 10% of those people that came, I thought this was pretty neat. 10% of the people that came had never been to a recovery group before. And so that's huge. That's really, really huge. In the midst of that, we had Grief Share that kicked off. And Grief Share, uh, there were 12 people that showed up. This is near and dear to my heart. These are people, brave people, who are going out of their homes to go and talk about the loss of a loved one and to connect and to process through what that is like. Um, and so I thought that's amazing. Uh, before uh, Snow Apocalypse or whatever we just had, um, I, this is crazy. We had record attendance here at the church. So outside of Easter and, um, and uh, uh, Christmas Eve and the first month that we launched, we had our highest attendance. It was amazing. And then it snowed. So, um, and, then, and then we canceled church. So yeah, there you go. Um, so crazy enough. And then here's a big one. This is huge. We just hired, this is nuts because we're just a small church and we're just starting. We just hired our sixth staff member. So... It is amazing. Yeah, some of you are like, I don't know what he's talking about. Uh, Jack and Kara, unfortunately, those who lead worship here are believing this is not them on the screen. So I saw all you looking over there. Uh, uh, they are headed to Idaho. And the reason they're heading to Idaho is, um, actually, we don't know. No, I don't know why anyone goes to Idaho. So, but they're going to uh, move their family there. And because of that, they won't be able to do worship here. So we have hired a worship him. This is the whole interview process that we had with him. His wife, Sarah, will be here on April 14th, just in time for Easter and all of those things. And so that is doing a whole lot of stuff inside of this church. And we just wanted to take 
two seconds to pause and celebrate what he is doing and to say thank you to all of you who are truly, um, you are jumping in, you are diving in, and you are picking up the load. And, and this is what happens, you guys. This is what happens when you pray big prayers and you expect big things and God to come through. This is what happens when we link arms and we make disciples together. And so I think it's amazing. So good job, you guys. Uh, today, I'm excited to talk about this topic and this series. We're starting it today called Name Changers. And so if this is your first time, great day to come for the very first time. Uh, names are important. They are absolutely important. When somebody remembers your name, you notice that. That's why in our children's ministry and in our student ministries, remembering names is a value because when somebody comes back the next week, they feel valued. And so remembering names is important. Uh, about two years ago, I called my Aunt Shelly. It was bad news. Unfortunately, I don't see her very often, very, very rarely. Her, uh, her husband actually had passed away. And so I wanted to call, and I just wanted to, you know, express my condolences and whatnot. So I called her. I didn't get her on the phone, but I left a message, and I just told her that, man, Dave was a total stud. And I only met him a couple times, but when I met him, I really enjoyed my time with Dave. And I'm sorry that Dave's not around in your life anymore. And I hung up and I left that message. And then I found out from my mom that his name was Mike. And so, <laughs> names are important, you guys. Names are important. I prayed, God, please erase that message before she hears it. Uh, because uh, I don't know who Dave is, but it was not him. So... So anyway, she never told me about that, so maybe God answered my prayer. Who knows? We put a lot of intentionality, and most of us do. I know that my wife and I did, to how we name our kids, right? Our kids are Paisley, Magnolia, Percy, and Montana. And, and we put a lot of thought behind those, and we wrestle over the names, and we have reasons that we do them. One of them is my wife has to make sure, I don't know if you noticed, they're all symbols. And so my wife can get a tattoos on her body. So there she goes. Um, she's great. And, um, and, she, uh, and we, um, we put a lot of intention into that. Like, you know, Montana's name, it has a lot to do with Magnolia. It starts with an M, has the same cadence. And we went to Montana when we last were hanging out with Maggie. And, um, it, you know, it's, you just put a lot of thought into it. Names have intent and they have meanings. And especially in the Bible, especially inside of the Bible, Eve, her name means life. And she was the mother in whom all life went through. And so her name actually means life. Moses, his name means drawn from the water because that's exactly what happened with him. He was drawn from the water. Esau, his name means hairy because he was hairy, right? He had really hairy hair. Means deceiver. You draw your own conclusions there, okay? I, I don't know what that means or why in that sense. But throughout Scripture, what would happen is that God would select a person and just a few individuals, and he would change their names. He would say, you're known as this, you're called this, but now I'm going to call you and then fill in the blank. I'm going to call you Peter, you're my rock. Or I'm going to call you Saul or Paul. I'm going to call you Israel. Right? And he says that you were once known as this, you went by as this, but now I'm calling you this because you are so much more. And my hope in this series, the reason that we're doing it is that we could look at these individuals inside of scripture. We can read into their stories and look at their names and what they mean 
and see if he wants about our identity, about who we are, and about how God views us here today. And so, let's start with the first name change inside of the Bible. The guy was named Abram, who later became known as Abraham. And Abraham is pretty darn famous. He's known all throughout the world. And if, he were, if his name were to be spoken, people kind of lean in. And you could be a Christian, Muslim, you could be um, you know, a Jew. Abraham is historically appreciated across the board. I was first introduced to Abram when I was a kid and I read a picture Bible. And some of you may know the story, right? And I couldn't read. I could just see the pictures. And I remember looking at these pictures and seeing, oh, this is, this is great. This dad is on a walk with his son. They're on a walk together. I love my dad. I want to go on a walk with my dad. This is great. And then you turn the pages over just a couple bit, and then you will see that now the son is tied up on an altar with his dad over the top with a knife, right? And you're thinking, what did this kid do? What did he do? And then my, when I got, my dad got mad at me, it didn't. It didn't look like that. My dad would say, Jacob Rudy, why don't you go get me something to hit you with? Which I thought was weird, right? And so I'd return with the pillow. And um, he didn't think that was too funny. But that was how I was introduced to this amazing, amazing man of faith. And so today what I want to do is I want to look at the first half of his life. The very first half of his life. Nine chapters is coming. Um, and, it's, and, and I just want to hit a couple of the highlights of the beginning part of his life. And so we've got to start with the problem. Because Abraham, in the very beginning, before there was Jesus, before there was Moses, before there was all these people, there was Abraham, Abram, and he was given a promise. Genesis 12, here's what it said. It said, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. How amazing would that be, to be blessed and to be a blessing? It's an amazing promise. And so how did Abram respond? It says this. It says, so Abram went as the Lord had told him. Abram was chose, chosen. God selected Abram. Abram actually audibly heard God speak to him. And he told him that I want you to leave your comfort zone. I want you to leave everything that you know. I want you to leave your father and your household and your friends and, and your land. And I want you to go to a different place. And maybe you've thought in your life, how easy would it be to just hear God's voice? How much pressure would that take off? To just hear his voice and get some instructions. Wouldn't that help clarify a few things? I always thought that. But then you read something like this and you realize that there is not a lot of specifics in there. Literally, he doesn't tell him where he should go or anything. There's no details. It's like, go north, except it was, there was no north. It was just go. Just go. And what's crazy is like, this is common theme for God. And even in our lives today, he doesn't give us the specifics. We want to know, well, okay, God, but where exactly should I go? And he's like, no, 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 just go. And once you're on your way, and once you're being faithful in that, I'll provide the details that you need along the way. 
And what's amazing about Abram is he actually went. He didn't know where, didn't know when he should go, didn't know how. He just packed up his stuff and he went. And it wasn't smooth. It wasn't smooth sailing. In fact, the next things that happened to Abram is that he was tested. Right? Came up. And, and then we're not going to talk about the most famous test that he walked through at the end of his life. But immediately, catch this, six verses after God calls him to go, a famine hits. It says, now there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. So many people that I meet, they think that when you follow God, everything's supposed to get really easy. But all of a sudden, when you say yes to Jesus, it's just smooth sailing. And you should experience no other problems in your life. I've heard a lot of preachers share that as well. I'm here to tell you that that's just not the case. There's no correlation to saying yes to Jesus and having an easy, free life. In fact, Scripture speaks that God used to follow Christ. There's a little peace in the process. But you can expect difficulties. Truly. If you expect different, that's exactly what we see with Abram right here. Uh, you know, the moment God asks him, hey, would you follow me? He immediately runs smack dab into a famine. That's the next thing that happens. Another struggle that Abram had in his life was actually his name. His name brought him a bunch of shame. His name means this. It means exalted father. It means father of many. And ironically, his wife was barren. He was childless. And children and family and lineage and all that stuff was a really, really, really big deal back in his day, way bigger than it is today. And so it was pretty rough on him to actually have a name that literally means father, and yet he wasn't actually a father because he didn't have any children. And so his name was a constant reminder. His name was a constant reminder of the infertility between him and his wife and the shortcomings that he had or his failure or his lack. It was a reminder of the pain that he had in his world. And so Abram carried shame even in his name. But what you will see and what we will discover is that the source of our greatest pain can also be the location of the greatest blessing God wants to do inside of our lives. Another test that he went through was waiting. Oh, waiting, waiting, waiting. 25 years, catch this. 25 years between the moment that he said, go, I'm going to make you do this. And the moment that he said that, 25 years of promise, Isaac was actually born. 25 years, two and a half decades. One of the greatest lessons that we can learn from looking at Abram's life is patience because the man had patience. And today we don't have a lot of patience, do we? We live in instant gratification, right? We totally do. We only have to wait five to 15 seconds of advertising before we watch our YouTube video. And it drives us nuts. And we're like, why doesn't it have a skip button, right? Where's the skip button? We have instant coffee, right? We have instant success. We have instant weight loss. I get impatient for microwavable popcorn peoples. I don't know about you, but two minutes and 15 seconds is way too long to wait. That's just me, because you're strange, but that's a long time. It's a long, long time. 
Just about everything that we could have or want or desire or need is at our fingertips. And yet, waiting, enduring, the practice of patience is an exercise. These are exercises of the will and character that have been essential in biblical faith for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And because we can read Abram's story in one sitting, 45 minutes, it's easy to underestimate the amount of personal struggles that Abram must have been able to, must have walked through. Because it's 25 years, right? 25 years, a lot happens in that. A lot happens in nine chapters. Questioning, doubting, uncertainty. I mean, how many times did, did Abram get tempted to think, did I really hear God? Right? Did he really talk to me? What did I miss? Because it's been a long time. He said I was going to be a father, right? But I'm still not a father. Did I make a wrong turn? Abram was patient, but he wasn't perfect. In fact, at one point in time, he tried to force God's hand. He tried to force the promise. And so his wife even suggested, his wife suggested that he sleep with her maidservant so that he could have an heir. So he did, which husbands, I'm just going to tell you, no, don't do that, okay? <laughs> A lot of trouble came from this, from Hagar and Ishmael, from that whole situation. He wasn't perfect, but for the most part, he was patient. I'm not very patient. I'll admit it straightforward. I want to go, 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 get it done. It's just how I've lived my life, right? Last night was the perfect example, the perfect example. Um, last night, I won't go into all the details, but my eardrum ruptured again. I've been sick, and so it got infected, and then it ruptured again for the second time in like two weeks. And so um, all that to say, I needed to get medicine. And so when I was at the ER, they prescribed me some medicine. And so I needed to go to a pharmacy. So they ask you when you fill out your form, where's your pharmacy? And you know, hey, can we, where do we send? And so I get in the car, I tell them thank you, and then I head on out to get my prescription. It's closed. My bad. That was my bad. Let's just say that one was my bad. Okay? And so I called them and I said, hey, it's closed. Is there another place that you know is open? And they said, yes, there's this one right down the street, another pharmacy. I said, great. And they said, we'll send the stuff there. So they sent the stuff there. I go there. I walk in the door. I go in, walk back to the pharmacy. Closed. It's closed. Second one's closed. Great. That's awesome. I'm a little upset at this point in time, so, but you know, they made a bad, I made a bad. I call them back and I basically say, okay, let's make sure that it's open, one that you know is open. Where can I go get this? And then you send it there. They said, yes, there's this one way up or way, way down south. That's right. It was south first, all the way south, and you got to go way down here. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'll do whatever I have to. Feeling good. Really, all I wanted to do was lay down and just, you know, I'm not feeling great. So I drive all the way down south, all the way to this place. I get there. I wait in line, long time waiting in line. Finally get there and I said, hey, do you have a prescription for me? She says, yes, but we only have half of it, right? You have two things that you need and we only get one half of it. And we'll fill that here. I'm like, well, where do I get the other half of it? And they said, oh, well, there's this place way up in Linwood, okay? We just wanted to drive way up in Linwood. You're willing to go there? I'm like, no, I don't want to go there. And I'm starting to lose patience, right? And so eventually I drive all the way up there. On the way, I call my daughter. And I tell my daughter, I've gone to, this is my fourth pharmacy I'm going to. She asked me the question, dad, are you going to go to a fifth? 
And I said, I hope not. And no, I'm not. I'm not going to go to a fifth. And so I get there. I get to the pharmacy all the way up in Linwood. I go in there. I walk into the store, go back to the pharmacy. It's closed. It's closed. They sent me to the wrong place. I called them again. I then all went all the way back over to the fifth one. My daughter is a prophet. And so... <laughs> I go all the way there. I get to the, the line where I'm in the other one. They're open. Thank goodness I wait in that line, another long line. I finally get up there, and I ask the lady, do you have my prescription? She says, yes. And I'm totally thrilled. I'm absolutely thrilled that she's there. I tell her, this is my fifth store. This is nuts. The fifth pharmacy that I have been to today, I'm, you know, I, this is difficult. So she fills it out for me, and she asks me the question, do you need anything else? You know, and I said, yes, because I knew I was doing this talk. I said, I need patience. No joke. This was her word. You'll have to go. <laughs> Amazing. We struggle with patience, do we not? I mean, truly, I am not a patient person. And I know that so many of you are not a patient people. So it's, it's a tough deal, right? But Abram was patient. Abram was a patient individual. And that patience paid off eventually. But before it did, 24 years into um, when he first heard God give those words, he got a name change. He got a name change. And Abram became Abraham. Here's what it says in Genesis 17. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, and that's a total another thing. We haven't even talked about that. 25 years is a long time. They're running 99 years old. His wife, Sarah, is 90 and they're supposed to have children, right, at this point in time. And so when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him. And it's worth just stopping there for a second. Because the first time, Abram talked to God about three times. First time he talked to him, he heard a voice. Second time he talked to him, he saw a vision. The third time, this time, he saw him. God appeared in physical form and he's right there in front of him. And the Lord appeared to him and he said, I am almighty, I am God almighty, or El Shaddai. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Not perfect, but be blameless. Then I will make my covenant numbers, which we'll talk about that covenant in verse. Abram fell face down. And you have to ask the question, why did he fall face down, right? This is the third time that he's connected with God. Theologians, many of them would say it's because he actually saw him, that he saw him for the first time. And when you see God, your natural reaction would be to fall down. But I get there, I'm guessing there had to be a little piece of that to go, I've been waiting 24 years for you to come through and I'm finally seeing you for the first time. God, I'm tired. I've been waiting and trying to be patient. And he falls face down. And God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. And again, that meant father of many or exalted father. Your name, and here's the change, will be Abraham. For I have made you a father. And notice the tense there, you guys. I have made, as if this is an already done. Abram, this is who he is. God's just speaking it to him. This is how I see you. He says, I see you as a father of many nations. 
And that's what the name Abraham means. Father of many nations. Father of multitudes. And so what is God doing here? Catch this. He's doubling down on his promise to Abraham. He's doubling down on that. He's saying, trust me, I got this. I realize you're 99 and that it's impossible for you to have children. I just want you to know nothing. And I have to imagine that Abraham is my name was Abram before, father of many, and people were making fun of me, and now I'm supposed to go tell them I'm father of nations? Can't wait, they're gonna have a heyday with me on this one. So why did God change his name? Here's why I think. To be a reminder of their relationship. I believe that the reason God changed Abram's name to Abraham is to be a reminder of their relationship. And this is amazing. Notice this. Notice that Abram's name was never completely replaced, right? So when you think of Jacob, it was replaced completely to Israel. When you think of Peter or Simon, it was completely changed to Peter. When it expanded, there was another name that was put in there. Many scholars believe that what God did is that he inserted a small part, which is true, a small part of his Hebrew name, Yahweh, into the middle of Abram to make it Abraham, which I think is absolutely amazing. What he's doing is he's reminding Abraham through his very name that I am with you. We are together on this, right? It's kind of like today that when, if you're, a, if you're a woman and you get married, you adopt, right, for better or for worse, the last name of the individual and the family that you're getting married to. And so I have, for years, I have felt terrible for my bride. And the last name that she inherited, she had Swinson, full name, Swinson, right? And now she has Kurtza. You know, it's just like, that's how it's spelled, just so that you know. That's how it's spelled. It's spelled, it's pronounced Gertza, but everyone pronounces it Getz or Goats, you know? And so, and I'm not joking about this. My grandma's name, you want to know what it was? Herda. Herda Goats. That was her name. You think that's bad? My uncle's name was Harry. <laughs> Harry Goats. And so I have always felt bad that my wife has inherited my name. But from this point forward, what's great about God is that he called himself the God of Abraham. They're in a partnership together. They're together on this. For Abraham, the name change is now a positive reminder of something good. It used to bring him shame. And now when he hears the name Abraham, he is reminded of the promise and he's reminded of their covenantal connection. And I said I'd get back and talk about the covenant, so let me do that. Here's what a covenant is, if you don't know. It is a pact. It is a partnership. It is a mutual promise between God and his people, and in this case, with Abraham. So in this particular covenant, because there's a few of them throughout the Bible, right? There's not just two. There's not just an old covenant and a new covenant. There are covenants within those. In this part of the covenant, God's part was to promise and to come through with a son and with land, four parts to it. And he was supposed to come through and then also that what Abram was supposed to covenant back, the promise back to him. Anyone have any idea? Circumcision. There you go. 
That's a topic for a Sunday morning, is it not? Abraham and all the males that were in his household or in his community were to be circumcised as a sign of the covenant. And for the Jewish people, you need to know that this was revered. This was an honor. This was meant power. It meant prestige. It meant I was in God's family. Basically, to the Jews, circumcision was like an ID card. Right now, how they showed it and where they showed it, I don't know, okay? We won't go there. Probably a lot of awkward moments getting through the TSA line. But um, not to say that joke again, but I cannot help it. <laughs> but I imagine the moment that when Abraham first heard his part of the covenant, he's probably like, wait, what? You want me to do what? Oh, God, come on. Noah? He got a rainbow, all right? He got a pretty rainbow for the sign of his covenant. And you want me to, an incision with a blunt rock? Are you kidding me? What the heck? It wasn't easy to be Abraham. It was difficult, especially to keep that part of the covenant up. It was very difficult. But catch this. One year later, one year after this conversation, God's promise became a pregnancy. The promise that he made to a 90-year-old woman, she became pregnant from a 99-year-old man. And the impossible became possible. And the inconceivable became feasible. And the patience that he had waited for finally paid off with the son. And that son's name was Isaac. And does anybody know what Isaac means? It means laughter. You want to know why they called him that? Because when God told him you're going to have a son, both of them laughed at God. And then, I have to imagine that when they had Isaac, they both laughed out of joy because God fulfilled that crazy promise. Abraham's name was now a positive reminder of God's promise fulfilled. Completely, 100% fulfilled. Look at what Paul has to say about that promise. It's about Abraham and about us. It says, God proclaimed the good news, the gospel, that's what that is, the good news, the gospel, to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share, catch this, you guys, the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. The ultimate fulfillment of the promise that was given on that day to Abraham is also available to us through Jesus Christ. That is amazing. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had fathers. So are you? So there is reason to praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, friends, Two applications that I want to pull from, from this passage, from, this, from his life, from his name. And here's the first one and the most important one. First one is this. We are who God says we are, period. You are who God says you are, period. That's it. That's our name. That's our ID. That's our identification. Whatever you got labeled in junior high, Whatever they said about you, that doesn't define you. 
Whatever that family member said to you, right? Whether it was your uncle and aunt, somebody that you cared about, whatever they said to you, it doesn't define you. The image that you try to uphold on social media, and so everyone can see the angle of who you are, that doesn't define who you are. Your size, your gender, your abilities, they don't define you. Your race doesn't define you. Friends, your past, whatever happened in your past, that doesn't define you, right? I don't care how bad it was. I don't care how bad it was. Whatever you did or whatever was ever done to you does not define you. Even who you think you are, unless it is in alignment to what God thinks, it doesn't define you. We are who God says we are. You are who God says you are. And so who does God say that you are? Here you are. In Thessalonians, we find that we are chosen. Like Abram, we are selected. We know that God loves you, dear brothers and sisters, and has chosen you to what? Be his own people. In the book of John, we are called friend. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. In 2 Corinthians, we are a new creation. Therefore, if, the old is gone, um, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In Romans, it's nuts. We're beyond conquerors. It says, in all these things, more than conquerors. First John, children, see how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children. And catch this, guys. And that's is what we are. And if we are children and our God is a king, that means we are royalty. We are his heir. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Friend, that is who you are. That is who we are. According to God, we have value. According to God, we are loved. According to God, we are enough. And aren't those the things, right? Aren't those the essential things that we all long and strive for? is to be valued, right? Not just known, but to be known and valued. To be loved, that somebody would care about us and love us. Anybody could love us, because sometimes we think, I can't even love myself, but God loves you. And we think we're not enough, so we try and we strive and we push and we, God says, you're already enough. You're enough, and the reason you're enough is because you're mine. I say you're enough. Our identity is defined by who God says that we are. Period. That's it. Other opinions, even your own opinion, if it's different than that, what God says about you, then it's off. We are who God says we are. The second thing to take away when it comes to Abram's life is this, is that there is more to your story than you can see. There is more to your story than you can see. I will conclude in Genesis 15. And it's at this point in the passage that Abram's been waiting for 13 years. He has been waiting, wondering if he's going to be a father. And here's what it says. Verse one, the word of the Lord came to Abram. In a vision, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. I love that. I love how... God himself is actually our reward. But Abram said, and here's where you see his doubts start to fill in. Sovereign Lord, 
What can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord will not your heir, who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And here's the best part. And I love this word picture. He took him outside. God took Abram outside and said, look up. Look at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Friends, imagine with me for a moment. Imagine in this moment if the lights went dark and God took you outside and he said to you, look up, right? What do you see? What's it that are out there? And I imagine being like, one, two, three, four, and God like, no, 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 Abram, you missed it, man. You can't count them. You can't even see them all. But I can count them. And you want to know why I can count them? Because I made them. And guess what else I made, Abram? I made you. And as you see those stars, you need to know just like them, your future is bright. It is beautiful. Your blessings, my friend, are going to be beyond count. And I know, I get it. Yes, you will doubt. I get that you will doubt, but there's more in store for you than you can see because I know you. I know you. I know who you are, Abram, even more than you know you. Friends, Abram was already called a father of many. And what God did is he didn't replace his identity. What he did is he doubled down. He expanded upon it. He widened it. He amplified it to a father of multitudes, to a father of nations. God helped Abram and Abraham see in himself what he could not see. And there was more to his story than he was able to visualize or to look down his life and understand. So what if? What if God took you by the hand and he led you outside and he said to you, look at the stars in the sky and count them. And we're a little bit more advanced and so we pull out our phone and we ask Siri, how many stars are there in the universe? And before she can answer, God's like, hold up. No, 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 no. She doesn't know. <laughs> she doesn't know. But I do. I know how many stars there are out there because I made them. And I made you. I made you as well. And I know you. I know what you like to eat. I know where you were when you took your first steps. I know where you were when you fell. I know where you were and who you are and how it hurt when that person first broke your heart. I know your favorite movie. I know what weighs you down inside of your life. I know it doesn't go away when you lay your head down on the pillow. I know how it felt when they left you. 
I know how you felt abandoned and I know you doubt me. I know you doubt me, but it's okay. I know how you pray when you need me. And I love that. I know because I know you because you are my child. That is who you are. You are my son. You are my daughter. And it's okay. It's, it's okay. I are you. Like Abraham, your father Abraham, I am with you. And yes, I do know about all that other stuff as well. Nothing is hidden from me. But my son, the king, he took care of all of that. That is what the cross was for. So when you said yes to him, you said yes to all this. You see these stars? They are the blessings that I gave to your father Abraham. And I also give them to you. It extends, that blessing extends down to you. So yes, there is more in store than you could possibly see or imagine. Your story goes beyond what you can see. You can't see all the stars and you cannot even see all the blessings that are before you. Your future is filled with hope simply because you matter to me. You matter to me. I say who you are. You don't get to say it. Stop calling yourself that. That's not your name. You are valued. You are loved by me and that's enough. And you are enough because of my son. You are enough because you are mine. You are my son. You are, let's pray.